sci-fi episode where psychology and finances collide. We'll continue to examine how we think, feel, and behave with money, especially as we get closer to a new year. So we think about resolutions in the new year, but I would like to invite a paradigm shift and let's talk about preparing for a financial revolution. There's a big difference between resolutions and revolutions. A resolution is when we're determined to do something different. And did you know that determination is a feeling? Determination is not an action. And did you know that what precedes a feeling such as determination is a thought. So if we ever want to change a feeling, we have to change a thought. And guess what comes after a feeling? A behavior. So likewise, if you want to change a feeling or a behavior, you must change your thinking. And that's what brings us to the definition of revolution. It's a fundamental change in the way of thinking about or visualizing something. It's a change of paradigm. In the world of psychology, paradigm shifts are researched and spoken of often. And it includes when we change or move from one theoretical perspective to another because we've learned something new from what we believed in the past, which creates a whole new belief system. So that's what we really need this year is a revolution, a change in the way that we believe, a change in our core beliefs that are going to drive our feelings and our behaviors. So if we just stuck with a New Year's resolution of determination on a feeling, then yeah, we're not likely to continue with the guiding principles or behaviors that would be required to feel good about finally achieving that resolution that we hoped for. So with a revolution, however, we can make that or we can choose to make that fundamental change in how we think about money and how we visualize ourselves with money to change our paradigm about money. So I would like to think of a dramatic change um, and what that would look like. But this isn't about me. It's about you. What would a financial dramatic change look like for you? And what difference would that make in your life? And we're going to get into a little bit later about the 
the underpinnings of change and how that comes about, especially when I use solution-focused therapy with clients. But I read something in the talk about money. I actually did a podcast on that, so look for that. The review on the talk about money by Dale Alexander, who is a certified financial planner. One of the things that I like that he said in his book, now he's, he's addressing young adults, but let's face it. Many of us grown adults with fully developed prefrontal lobes, fully developed brains, are stuck developmentally in a young adult pattern. And that'll become evident as I go along. But if we want lasting change, if we don't want to be another statistic of not completing a New Year's resolution, we need to change our language to revolution change our thinking. And here's one of the ways that Dale Alexander challenges us to do that. He says, lasting change equals a passionate discontent plus a powerful vision. So leave it to a certified financial planner to give us a formula to follow. I love it. So if we want that lasting change, we have to first be driven by something that we don't like. And isn't that how we even come to a New Year's resolution anyway? Um, if we're if we don't like uh, how we're eating and and we'd like to feel better uh, about our bodies or just feel better physically all around, we'll make a New Year's resolution to cut out sugar or at least to consume less sugar, or maybe we decide to drink less carbonated beverages and drink more water, those types of things. Or maybe there's a passionate discontent with how you're spending your money, how you're managing your money. So if we want lasting change, we have to first identify what are we angry enough about and dissatisfied enough about to go against the status quo. And the status quo for a lot of folks that I see is living paycheck to paycheck. And listen, living paycheck to paycheck is caught up in a vicious cycle of core beliefs. And I know for folks in the audience who may be living from paycheck to paycheck, you might be thinking, no, Olivia, this is real. If I can't save for an emergency, it's because I can't save for an emergency. Well, let me challenge the status quo a little bit and give you a little bit more. Let me help you to become a little bit more passionate about something you don't like or that something that you don't want to continue. So I'll talk about that shortly. But now we have to add the passionate discontent with a powerful vision. That's a glimpse into what the future will look like with what you actually want. So remember I asked you, what would a financial dramatic change look like for you? The next question is going to help you formulate that vision. If you experience that financial dramatic change, what difference would that make for you? If you no longer lived paycheck to paycheck, what difference would that make for you? And how to make this even more powerful of a vision is if you stay away for, from things that you must lose and focus on those things that you would gain. 
So instead of using the terminology, I don't want to live from paycheck to paycheck, what terminology could you use instead of a gain that you would experience? So for example, it might be, I want to have an emergency savings, starting out with double digits, and by the end of three months, triple digits, by the end of six months, quadruple digits. Those are the types of positive gains that you can look forward to, and that gives you more of a powerful vision. Your vision may not have anything to do with emergency savings. It might have to do with something else where you're actually experiencing a different feeling with money or where you have a different relationship with money. So a lot of folks might say, Olivia, I want to feel more freedom with what I do with my money every month. I want to feel more secure in my financial future. So everyone's going to have a vision that's going to differ from each other's and that's okay. It's all about finding that future self in that powerful vision. And listen, the whole future self technique has been a powerful component of clinical therapy for years and years and years. But it's becoming more prominent in financial counseling because these financial counselors know about this future self syndrome where we're strangers. When we think of ourselves 30 years from now, we don't even show compassion to that stranger if we haven't saved enough for that stranger. So we have to find a way to be more connected with our future self and display more empathy to our future self so that we can have the future self that we're wanting, that is well cared for. It's hard for us to see ourselves 30 years from now. And, and again, that's, that's part of the process of coming to financial counseling where folks can guide you through that process. So again, lasting change equals a passionate discontent plus a powerful vision. If you can pencil and paper that after this podcast and maybe re-listen to the podcast, I think you'll be on to something. Because again, I talk every time about mental accounting. When you only think about what you want to do, you're not going to do anything different. But when you write something down of what you're wanting to do differently, it becomes more powerful, it becomes more intentional, it becomes more real, and then you actually do it. So here's our call to action. We need to discover our numbers. And again, this is all about preparing for a financial revolution. A lot of what happens when we state a resolution, whether it's to lose weight, to eat healthier, or to establish savings, or to increase our contributions to our 401k, throw out the percentages, you name it. When we say those things out loud, it doesn't really become salient until we start doing something different that leads to a different outcome. And that's where that paradigm shift comes into play. This is where our thinking, our core beliefs must change 
before we can start behaving, feeling or behaving differently. And the reason we don't follow through with a resolution many times is because of fear, especially when it comes to a financial resolution, because guess what happens? When we create that resolution or revolution, we have to look at the numbers. And that's scary for a lot of people. So this year, we must not be driven by fear. We must be driven by that passionate discontent plus the powerful vision that we have for ourselves. So in order to do that, we need to know what our assets are. How much is our house worth? How much are our vehicles worth? Our paintings, our jewelry, anything that we own that has value. And then subtract the liabilities from those assets. How much do I owe in credit card debt? How much do I have in loans? What are my student loans? What is left on my mortgage? Those are all liabilities. You will find after you have deducted your liabilities from your assets, what your net worth is. Now, let's not get hung up on net worth right now. The last number that we need to know is what your surplus is. And in order to know what your, your monthly surplus is, to know how you're going to change certain behaviors, is to create a spend plan or a budget. I don't like the word budget, but I'll... I'm just letting you know that that is what a spin plan is, but a spin plan takes you further to where you actually want to go. Now, Olivia, all this is well and good, but I know myself, I will take this information and do absolutely nothing with it. Well, guess what? Let me make you first feel a little comfortable and validate for you that that's the average American. And the reason that happens is is because we experience something called default bias. So psychologically, we make the easiest possible choice. And most often, that easiest possible choice is doing nothing. Hmm. But the only way to prepare and start moving towards a financial revolution is to understand that you do have a choice and you do have the ability to do something different if you so choose. And here's what I here's what I hear. I even heard this in clinical therapy. I still hear it in financial therapy. People will say, "I don't have a choice. I have no choice." You always have a choice. The reason people will say that is because they truly believe, and this goes back to thinking, your core beliefs. They're stuck in a pattern of thinking that all these other possibilities are undesirable, so therefore they are not options. But they are options, and therefore there are a multitude of choices that are available to you. But because you don't like the choice, you think of it as a non-choice. So let's think differently just about that. Let's have a paradigm shift in how we even think of choices. Even if downsizing is not what you would really like to do to have this financial revolution in your life, it's still a choice. If you choose to downsize so that you can save for the future 
and not live paycheck to paycheck. There will be consequences and and wonderful positive consequences for that, but there will also be some uncomfortable consequences for that. So that's where people get stuck saying, well, then it shouldn't be an option. It should not be a choice because I do not want to feel any discomfort. But listen, who said that there would ever be a successful revolution without discomfort? It's just not going to happen. With revolutions, come a, they come with some level of discomfort. So here's another one is when we think of choice architecture, we think of availability bias as well. We are focused on what easily comes to mind which are vivid or recent events. And this is also what keeps people from thinking they truly have more options or choices. It's because, let's say, someone who heard the word budget or spin plan in this podcast are like, ah, that never works for me. Well, that's availability bias. Because what you have tried to do recently or something that is more vivid in your mind or a memory that is more traumatic for you that is held more in your limbic system, then you're less likely to want to engage in that behavior again. Ugh. I hope that if that's you, that you would reach out to someone and talk to someone, a financial counselor, your employee assistance program, somebody, so that you can start finding a new way of believing And then you have decision fatigue, where things just like, you know, Olivia, I want to do this. I want to have a financial revolution. I want to have more emergency savings. I want to invest more. I want to do some tax planning. But there are so many options and professionals. I don't know who to choose. Then you just give up. And that's decision fatigue. And then there's tunneling where you make decisions that are detrimental in the long run to address current pressing issues in the short term. So for example, you forego TSB contributions to keep paying for a car you can't afford or assisting adult children who really could start to fend for themselves and start helping themselves. So I would challenge you today Part of this lasting change equals a powerful discontent plus a powerful vision. You have to find what is motivating you and then pre-commit to that level of motivation. Not what is zapping you of your energy. Not what is screaming in your head what you cannot do, but instead focusing on what you can and want to do. So... I want to finish this with a concept called a financial well-beginning. So it's a play on words with well-being, financial well-being, but because of the new year, it's a new beginning. So a financial well-beginning. Why don't we stick to resolutions? Because they don't satisfy quickly. Instead of satiating our social need for a resolution, Let's do something more revolutionary. Let's begin with the end in mind to create a new beginning that we will call that well 
beginning. And we must engage in these behaviors before we can even go to that next level of investing. You probably have seen, you know, do this, not that, eat this, not that. Well, I'm saying the same thing with your finances. Do this before that. So first, it all starts with a spend plan where you're balancing and you're meeting your basic needs. Then you are assessing your risk management. Do you have adequate insurance coverage? You don't want to be throwing money to thrift savings plan or to your 401k or to even emergency savings if you don't have adequate insurance coverage. You're taking undue risk and you're definitely not going to get that return in the market that you would need to cover the cost of a car if you don't have that insurance coverage. Then let's tackle debt. Managing and paying your credit cards in full every month. Wouldn't it be nice to get there? So really what I'm doing with this financial well-beginning, I'm giving you a positive gain on how you can actually state your revolution this year. So if you heard in the spend plan, I want to be able to balance and meet basic needs. You're not saying I don't want to live paycheck to paycheck. What you're saying is what you want. I want to balance and meet basic needs. Risk management, I want adequate insurance coverage. Debt, I want to be able to manage that debt, and then I want to start paying the credit cards in full every month. Emergency savings, I want to have this established, and I want to have it available in liquid accounts when I need it. 401k contributions, I want to max out to my employer's match. And for federal employees out there, that's 5% for thrift savings plan. And then finally, I want to know my surplus. I want to know what I can start doing with this surplus. What's available for me to start saving for those emergency savings? What's available for me to increase my 401k contribution? What's available for me to start giving more charitably? What's available for me to reduce my debt? And what's available for me to to actually move towards that powerful vision that I have for myself? So, I love how Dale Alexander approaches this with, you know, all of this does sound great and it is doable because believe me, there are plenty of folks that do live this way, my family included. And if I can do this, anybody can do this. So he asks the question, why wouldn't I do this? Well, he tells us and he validates for us the reason why it's so hard. He talks about the highlight reels. We see everyone else and what they're doing, and we start to believe that we're not worthy enough, we're not rich enough, we're not pretty enough, and and all these enoughs that we aren't attaining. And then we start believing this lie that I have to keep up with the Joneses. But if you've defined your values and your goals, you've created that powerful vision for yourself, You change this to a more realistic expectation of keeping up with what you want. So that is a way to get over that highlight real issue. And then he talks about the stranger danger. I've talked about that a little bit with the future self syndrome, where we know something to do is in our best interest, like saving for retirement. But because it's so far into the future, we just don't care 
And we don't have that compassion and empathy for that 30-year-old person, or excuse me, maybe that 60-year-old person or 70 or 80-year-old person 30 years from now. That person is a complete stranger to us. So we have to change our whole thought pattern there as well. That becomes a paradigm shift of showing compassion and empathy to our future selves so that we can start caring for our future selves in the present. He also talks about the boring zone. And he uses this terminology because his true audience with his book is young adults. And But even as adults, I, I think we get this. When we first start saving, it feels like it's not accumulating fast enough. And it's just boring. It's like we can't touch it. We can't do anything with it. it we know it's just going to sit there. And it's tough thinking about that. So we're not doing anything exciting with it right now. But compound interest over time, that eighth wonder of the world, it really starts building over time. And so he gives us some visuals on what to look forward to in that future. And I'll quote him by, he said, the boring zone years early on will be replaced by exciting years later. And that's so true. Because I think of my 20-year-old self when I started saving for retirement that long ago. I'm 44 now. 24 years has passed. And I'm seeing now how compound interest has uh, worked in our favor and how when I start to pull that, I don't know what age I'll start pulling that, um, but I know that I will retire early, but not pull that, any of that until I absolutely have to. It's exciting to see that. Here's the last thing he says. Another reason we don't do this is because we're just not taught. And that's one of my passions in providing this sci-fi podcast and classes to you is I want to teach. I want to give the psychology away. I want to give the financial literacy, excuse me, knowledge away so that you can become more financial literate yourselves. And we're not taught because we are not financially socialized in America, we're just, we're taught, if anything, how to spend credit, not how to spend money, not how to manage money. But we can change that ourselves. We're grown adults. We can go and learn this stuff. And I, I enjoy reading about how to invest my money here or, or what the outcome might be if I did this with my money. And I know that's just me. It may not be on your riveting reading list, but if you can just find the time to gain that knowledge, and if you hate reading, go see a financial counselor, go see a financial planner, somebody that can help educate you on what you need to know. Here's what I'm going to leave you with today. It's a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt. She says, it takes as much energy to wish as it does to plan. Let's not get caught up in thinking of a resolution as a wish. Because if we truly want a financial revolution, it needs a plan. And it really does take the same amount of energy to plan as it does to wish. Share your dreams with your spouse. Write them down. This will come in handy now so that you know how to save for short-term and long-term goals. 
And it's great to wish together with your partner, but also to plan together with your partner, with your family, so that you can understand what your values are, what your goals are, so that you're, you're actually moving in the same direction, so that when you finally retire, you don't have divergent goals, but you have joint goals. And remember, we don't even know what we really want until we've drawn out a story. Our memories are faulty. Mental accounting will not work. We must write it down. So here's to you in the new year and to preparing for a financial revolution. Enjoy.